If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Women to Watch is an intimate look into the lives of prominent and influential women leaders from around the world and the challenges they faced on their journey. It's the real story behind her title, Join us every week to hear more stories about women from around the world and in your own communities at womentowatch.net. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco. Thank you so much for joining me. In just a moment, I'll be joined by Bronwyn O'Keefe, and Bronwyn is the global head of content for the Globetrotters. It's going to be a great show. Um, please stay with us when we go into the breaks. You'll hear from our sponsors, uh, bringing you segments uh, from their organizations. And please do subscribe to our YouTube page where you can watch the show every week at W2W Media, W the number two, W Media. So now I'm very excited and honored to welcome to the show, Bronwyn O'Keefe. Thanks, Sue. I'm so happy to be with you today. I'm thrilled to have you. And just so our viewers know, I believe you're in New York. Are you joining I us from New York? In Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. I'm a lifelong New Yorker. I know we're very rare, but uh, yeah, I'm a real, uh, you know, my whole life in New York City. Yes. Tell me, I know that you were born in New York City. Tell me a little bit about the neighborhood that you grew up in. Sure. I grew up in the Upper East Side, which uh, at that time didn't have the cachet that it does now, but it was a really wonderful neighborhood to grow up in. I grew up in a big apartment building. Um, and uh, it was just me and my mom for most of the, the first 10 years of my life. And uh, my mom would kind of lean on the building staff um, to, you know, entertain me when I was a little bit bored of being up in the apartment, I would go and I would hang out in the lobby with, uh, we had a part-time porter and a part-time doorman and I would hang out with them and they were from other countries. And so they would teach me little bits of foreign language here and there. Um, I remember one gentleman in particular, uh, a lovely man named Cola who, uh, would watch me learn how to roller skate. I, <laughs> I can't think that was very enjoyable for him, but I know I felt really like safe and happy with Cola <laughs> looking out for me. <laughs> oh, I love that. So, um, your mom, tell me a little bit about her. Was she working outside of 
the building. <laughs> yeah, my mom worked at uh, the same elementary school that she actually attended and that then I attended. Uh, so once I started as a, a preschooler at the age of four, uh, she got a job as the receptionist at the front desk of the school. Okay. Um, which was very convenient uh, in terms of commuting. Uh, we walked together to and from school every day. Um, and it was really nice for me when I was especially little that my mom was so close by. It got a little bit more embarrassing as I got a little bit older, <laughs> um, as you can imagine. But right. I, I really loved, uh, you know, having having that shared space between us. Yeah. When I think about city living is so different from a neighborhood, you know, the suburbs. And um, I often think of children that grow up there as having a different type of independence. Um, did you feel that way? Were you kind of when you were old enough walking about the city on your own? Yeah, for sure. I always felt really comfortable walking around the city, particularly if I was walking around a neighborhood I was super familiar with. That path from home to school was about a 15, 20 minute walk, 12 blocks. And uh, when I was really little and I first started to do it on my own, I would kind of go the same way, turn at the same street, mm -hmm. follow the same path. And then I remember very clearly as I got older, this feeling of, oh, this is exciting. I could try turning on this street today instead. And, and that was a way that I think I really did help uh, sort of build up confidence about being an independent person out in the world. Yeah, figuring things out, right? How, how to maneuver a city. Um, I, I love the way you talk about your mom and your relationship with her. And you said, we loved creating worlds together that we dreamt of living in. Tell me about that. What does that mean? Uh, we just both had really vivid imaginations and uh, we're both big readers. Uh, so my mom encouraged my independent reading very early on. And uh, we looked at books as a primary way to experience a world that you didn't actually live in or characters that you that weren't the kind of people that you might actually know. And uh, so at first inspired by books and then by our own imaginations, we would create all of these little bubble worlds that we could go in and visit and wonderful things would happen for us in these worlds. Um, my favorite example is in the long winter days when my mom and I would walk to school together and it would be freezing cold, we would talk about the golden chariot that was going to pick us up at any moment. And once we got in the chariot, we would have blankets piled on top of us and we'd sip hot chocolate. It had a very Narnia feeling to it. Um, and then we would be ferried off to school by this golden chariot. And, uh, and that was, you know, all of a sudden when we were talking about the chariot, I didn't feel as cold anymore. Um, so it was a, th that was a way that we sort of applied our, our imaginations into our everyday lives. Right. Tell me, um, tell me what was kind of a challenge for you growing up? You know, what, what was difficult? What, what were you struggling with? Um, I think I struggled with things that are not uh, unique to me at all, but I often felt kind of outside and different um, from a lot of my friends. Part of that, I think, was, and this was in the early 70s, you know, divorce wasn't talked about as much. And, and I was one of the few kids I knew whose parents were divorced. Um, on top of that, my mom went to the school. So all of my friends knew my mom. And um, in this particular school, when you were misbehaving in class, um, if it got really bad, you were sent to sit down behind Mrs. Weiss's desk. And Mrs. Weiss was my mom. So if you were oh, naughty, no. you got to go spend time with your mom. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that contributed to my feeling a little bit other. Um, yeah. But I also, I also know that it was my 
this, this, my imagination um, that I could really escape into. And not every kid that I was friends with or knew could tap into that in the way that I could. And, and all of these little things contributed, I think, to me feeling this sense of other. And that was challenging. And then um, on the home front, my mom remarried when I was 10. And um, with my new stepdad came a stepbrother who um, my mom and, and my stepdad had been dating for a little while when I was about six and my stepbrother was five. Um, they started dating and then um, my step my stepfather's son um, was taken by his mother um, and was missing for three years. And so oh, there was wow. a very intense, uh, dramatic mm -hmm. element of my life that not a lot of people had any insight into. And um, before my stepbrother was found, uh, my mom and my stepdad decided to get married. And then shortly after they made that decision, uh, the FBI found uh, my stepfather's son. Wow. And wow. he came back to sort of like instant family. We went from being my mom and I in this one little bubble and uh, my stepdad and stepbrother in their own little bubble and instant family happened. And um, while I don't particularly remember that as being challenging. There are little tiny memories that I have that spoke to the fact that it probably was very difficult. Um, An adjustment, right? So that's a, that's a big adjustment. And did, did your mom and your stepdad talk to you about what was going on? Were you just kind of in the back as the child recognizing something was happening? I think I recognized that, that um, things weren't right. And I certainly, you know, I, kept asking um, when Rocco first was taken by his mom, where's Rocco? I, I I didn't understand why I was seeing Robert, his dad, but not Rocco, his son. Because yeah. quite often the dates that my mom and Robert would go on were dates where they each as single parents brought their kids. And and so he was he was there and then all of a sudden he wasn't. I don't think mm -hmm. I recognized the the sort of um drama of the situation. Yes. Um, but uh, probably until much later, until much later, more yeah. of the story. Uh, yes, exactly. Right. And, um, and once we found him, we did have to go through a pretty, um, intense legal process to, um, ensure that he was never put in a position where his mother could do that again. Mm. Um, and that, you know, I, I do have a very, clear memory of going to family court and having to testify um, that that this was a wonderful home and that Robert was a great parent for for his son and a great step parent for me. Yes. Um, and you were 10 at that time? And I was 10. Yeah. You were 10. Yeah, that's hard. Um, and I do, you know, I, I, I asked that question because I think a lot of times when we're young and things are happening in the family around us that are not discussed, it creates an anxiety, right? It creates a worry um, where I always feel it's better if the parents sit down and say, this is what's happening. Even if they think you're too young to understand. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I know it's a different generation now, but I've, I've made a very conscious decision with my own two daughters at any point that something has happened that has felt big in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. That we've sat down and had a conversation, and and sure, the 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 language that you use changes as the kids grow older. Yes, um, but but I think um, knowing that something's happening, but not knowing what to attach to that, can be a very yes. scary and isolating experience. 
Yes. I think our generation has gotten a little bit better at trying to do that, bring it, you know, to the forefront. Um, so you initially went off to Connecticut um, College to study theater, mm-hmm. coming from your love of storytelling. Exactly. Um, and then that changed, you know, you decided to change direction. Was there a catalyst for that? Or was it kind of over time you recognized um, that it was not going to be your career path? Uh, well, I think it was a kind of a combination of the both. I, I kind of gave it a year, moved back to New York after graduating and was um, was helping out in a nursery school classroom as a, as a teacher um, during the the afternoons and and the mornings, and then would go on whatever auditions I could find at night or in the evenings. And then I had a waitressing and bartending job at night. And I remember it as being a very exhausting year. I also remember it as being a year of so much um, negative reinforcement with auditions because you could walk in and, and, you know, you could be the best actress in the world and not look like what the director had in mind. And you were out the door. Were you auditioning for television, film, or theater? Everything. Or anything? Anything I Everything. could get my hands on. And so the, the the kind of critical moment for me that put me in the path of a new direction was when I auditioned to be a living doll for Toy Fair. And uh, I booked it. And I thought, oh, my God, this can't be my life. This isn't what I dreamt about. Um, and that was a really big moment for me and a decisive moment for me of, I think I can take all of this knowledge that I've, I've gained and all of this pure, real, true love of storytelling and find another application for that. Mm. And it's so interesting because you did that and you ended up kind of on the other side of the camera, right, in production and, and behind the scenes. Um, do you think is is that more meaningful to you because you're 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 having a deeper level of creativity and um, right and, and production, the whole picture as opposed to just being the actor? Yes, I think um, the whole picture piece of that is is a hundred percent more fulfilling for me. Um, being able to take a kernel of something and then figure out how it blows into this big narrative, and then bringing that narrative to life, and and then getting to watch other people get that narrative and and get excited about that. Um, so that's incredibly rewarding for me. I also think that. Um, Moving into a behind the the camera position as a producer and a development executive allowed me to tell a much broader slate of stories than I would if it was just the me as an actress. I would be much more limited to the kinds of stories I would be able to tell. Yes. that's been very exciting for me over the course of my career. And not have to go through that, that, that critiquing that, you know, I've had over the years, um, several women that have, um, been actors and actresses and, you know, they, that kind of personal rejection is, is so incredibly hard. I wonder if any of those experiences have stayed with you or have you managed to just let it go and understand it's just the business. Yeah. Uh, it's a good question. I think for the most part, I've let it go and understood that it's just the business. Um, and I think one of the things that really pointed me I- into a different direction was that this is not the totality of me. 
Mm. And that there was so much more to me beneath that surface. And I wanted to be judged on that. I wanted to be recognized as that. I wanted to be understood as all that much more, not just this. And and too often um, in that sector of the industry, unfortunately, this counts for a lot more than then frankly, I think it should. And certainly more for women. Absolutely for women. I mean, we, we, right? If you, if you look at that, you can see historically that it's been much more difficult um, for women. Um, we're going to go into our first break, Bronwyn. And when we come back, I want to talk about how you landed uh, your position with Nickelodeon. Okay, sounds good. Stay with us uh, to hear from our watch team. And we'll be right back with Bronwyn O'Keefe. super nice and well it's like very walkable i already have like fifteen thousand steps today i think the skookle is pretty nice like obviously greenhouse park yeah. is really nice has some of the best food ever. Definitely Badia. How could you not? I went to a lot of recently. Fantastic. Philadelphia has always been a great scene for food. We've always had great Italian food. There's great Mexican food. If you go to West Philly, there's a ton of like Indian and Ethiopian. There's all kinds. Just skate around Philly, just cruising, listening to music. Come across the mural, it's just amazing. The big, colorful, I love it. We chose Philly because it's on one of our team buildings. Go check out the art. I think one of the coolest parts of Philly is the murals and the street art. And I don't think it's something you should necessarily like go out and look for, but something that you should find on your own. You're getting on the damn train. Everybody's got their jersey on on Sundays and whatnot. Like, I love it. The Phillies were in the World Series. The soccer team was in their championship. And the Eagles, you know what I'm saying, could have won a Super Bowl. So if New York and Philly were at a party, New York would be the one that would need to be the center of tension. And they're going to make sure that everybody's taking shots with them. Philly's going to go with it, and they're going to have a great time, and they're going to be like the hype man, but they're actually going to last a little bit longer because they're going to go like harder, nitty-grittier. We are CHOP, and we can't wait to show you around. We're the nation's first children's hospital. Now, a care network with more than 50 locations that continues to expand. Three state-of-the-art research buildings with 1.5 million square feet of space. We have grown from 12 beds 165 years ago to nearly 600 beds and one of the best children's hospitals in the world. We have a level one trauma center 11 floors of patient units, more than 20 operating rooms, 
first-of-its-kind delivery unit for babies with birth defects, a separate cardiac operative and catheterization suite, and places to learn, like our internationally recognized simulation center. We have trained generations of leaders in the field of pediatrics. We are world leaders in medicine, surgery, and science. One of the top recipients in NIH funding for pediatric research. In this building, pioneers in CAR-T therapy, mitochondrial disease, brain tumors, hyperinsulinism, and other rare diseases. Here, groundbreaking work in fetal surgery, genetics and genomics, and neurology. In our newest building, leaders in social determinants of health, clinical informatics and epidemiology, autism, trauma and injury prevention. Our patients come from every state and 115 countries. challenges requires the best and the brightest. We are passionate about pediatrics. We are motivated to make a difference in the world and in our community. We are a team. We are CHOP. to the show. I'm joined this week by Bronwyn O'Keefe. And Bronwyn is the new global head of content for the Globetrotters. And we will definitely be talking about that in just a few minutes. Um, But I'm really trying to kind of, you know, go through the journey of your both your personal and professional career life. And um, I'm curious, how, how did that first job with Nickelodeon come about, which by the way, you were, you were there 23 years. Was. That's a long time. It is a long time. And I uh, I did a little bit of everything while I was there, which was very exciting. Um, but but how it all began was, um, and look, I'll be the first person to say, I don't think in this day and age, I ever would have been given uh, the opportunity to have the job that I started at. Uh, oh, really? I yeah, I just, you know, it feels like these days you need to come with so much more experience. And I came with like passion and that's about, you know, and a really good, strong work ethic. Um, but uh, I I happened to have sort of, you know, six degrees of separation connections to somebody both at Sesame Workshop and at Nickelodeon. And so I did um, just sort of uh, informational interviews in both places. And about four or five months after I had an informational interview at Nickelodeon, um, I got a call that uh, Marjorie Cohn, who was then the vice president of live action um, for uh, development and production for Nickelodeon, um, needed an assistant. And so I interviewed with her and then I interviewed with a couple of her other colleagues. And I was so fortunate to get 
the position as Marjorie's uh, executive assistant. Um, I should mention that Margie is now the current president of DreamWorks Animation. So, uh, you no, know, her name is very familiar to me. <laughs> I'm thinking I've read about her, and perhaps I'm sure even you have. Yeah, and I couldn't have asked for a better first uh, manager in in this business. I, I, she taught me so much. We are still dear friends to this day, and, um, and I, it would be impossible to name all the things that that I learned from working under her. That's so nice to hear that you know a, a, that a woman who was really bringing you in and probably mentoring in a way at that time. What do you think it was about you that she saw in you that that allowed her to offer you the job? Well, I've always been a person who um, is is not. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Very good at hiding my emotions, which has worked to my benefit in uh, when I'm excited and passionate about something. And it has made me a very, you know, terrible poker player. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I think I went into that first interview uh, with just so much um, curiosity mm. and and excitement and and really true passion for both storytelling and for kids. I had spent right. you know my entire teen years and and uh, you know even into my early twenties babysitting. Um, I had worked with kids in this preschool classroom. Um, I had been a big sister on the, in the Big Brothers Big Sister program while I was in college. I started a after school theater program for local kids at uh, in the Connecticut College town of New London, and I just I loved. I loved the energy that kids had and the way that they could tap into their imaginations as I had as a kid. Yes. And so the, the kind of the, my passion and excitement for that demographic, plus um, my love of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And 
And I think that she also sensed in me, I'd like to think she sensed in me that um, the work ethic that I have, that's always been really important to me, um, that I would, I would do whatever needed to get done. Um, and, and I would do it happily. Yeah. It was such a perfect fit for you right then at that time. You know, when I think about your career and your life, I think it's a really wonderful example of, um, you don't graduate college, study what you think you want to do, graduate college and go get that job and be there. Right. It's, it's such a journey. And obviously you moved your way right up through the company over 23 years. Um, Tell me a little bit about that. What what do you think is really the one of the greatest lessons you've learned from starting with a company with a brand like that, Nickelodeon, and then working your way up to a leadership role? Um, well, I think I had the great fortune to be in the New York office, which was sort of the business center for Nickelodeon. As a po- and while I was in the the development and production team. That most of that production itself was happening in LA. Being yes. in New York gave me the opportunity to understand how all of the business worked. I really got to see, you know, how all of the different lines of business intersected with each other and how the, the, the really the, the industry of at that time was just like a pure television play, right? With some consumer products on the side, very different from the time we live in now. But I really got to understand in from the inside how a media industry business worked. And, and then I was given a lot of other opportunities to grow my skills around development and production because there was always some random project that would come up. And I kind of became the go-to person of, oh, give that to Bronwyn. She'll figure out what to do with it. Mm, The yes person. Sure, I'll do it. Yes. I always raised my hand. And even when I wasn't raising my hand, it got to the point where people were thinking of me for those kinds of things. And I'm so fortunate to have um, built that reputation and to have had people take advantage of that in a great way. Um, and not all of the projects were wonderful and fun. And some of them I learned only that I really didn't like that kind of project. Um, but but all of them taught me something and all of them sort of added to my skill set. I, I kind of feel by the time I left the organization, I was a little bit of a Swiss army knife. Um, I had all of these different skill sets that I could kind of apply to any situation. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm so eternally grateful for that. Do you remember your the first time you were in a position where you were managing others? What did that feel like? And were you nervous about that or were you excited and ready to take that on? Um, I think I was a little bit of both. Uh, I was at a I was at a literally a manager level position. And so I had um think there were two coordinators who reported into me. And because I had come up in the path. And I knew exactly what the role of coordinator was and what to mm-hmm. you know, ask for from uh, these two direct reports. Um, I, I had a deep appreciation for what it took. And I also um, had a deep appreciation for um, what value they could bring to the table. And um, at this point in my life, sitting, you know, sitting now where I sit, I, I am, I really pride myself on the fact that I've had m- people that have reported into me over the course of many years in different roles um, talk about how much they appreciate 
um, the opportunity that they had to learn and to grow and that they felt I had nurtured that in them. Um, and I, it, it's one of my um, proudest, proudest things that I can say is that I know I have nurtured people and that people um, have enjoyed the process of working with me and learning from me. And um, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of that. And it was really passed on to me, both from Margie and another um, executive at Nickelodeon, a, a man named Sal Maniachi, who, uh, though he has never accepted the term mentor, um, he has absolutely been that to me, and he is still that to me to this very day. That's so wonderful. Um, okay, so you um, you build a reputation. You know, you you certainly did, and people started to know you and your work. Um, tell me about the opportunity from the Globetrotters, how that presented itself to you? Uh, well, a, a good friend and a former colleague, Keith Dawkins, uh, took over as president of the Harlem Globetrotters and Hershend, which is the parent company, Hershend Entertainment Studios, in January of 2022. And he and I, he and I had worked together at Nickelodeon for a long time, um, done a lot of different things together. And um, we knew we worked well together and we knew we'd enjoyed each other. Um, and uh, he called me up and he said, hey, um, I know you're consulting right now. Would you be open to consulting um, for the Harlem Globetrotters and Hershen Entertainment Studio and, and help to build a, a content strategy for the Globetrotters and for the entertainment studio? And uh, and I said, yes, of course. I mean, who would turn down an opportunity to have anything to, to do with the Harlem Globetrotters? I, uh, I'm so incredibly blessed and honored to be a part of a brand that has such a, a legacy um, of deep and, and important um, work that they've done, um, not just uh, for the sport of basketball, but, you know, throughout history, um, as a almost 100 year old brand, um, the impact, I think a lot of people don't know, right. About what they do behind off the court, I'll say, mm -hmm. and what it's all about. Yeah. I think most people don't, don't know that the Globetrotters are, are almost a hundred years old in 2026, we turn a hundred. And I think that, that the awareness around the goodwill ambassadorship of the Harlem Globetrotters is quite small. It was, um, in in the early 50s, the U.S. government sent the Globetrotters abroad to uh, Berlin and asked them to sort of uh, function as a literal ambassador of goodwill to bring cheer and and happiness and joy um, uh, to to Germany. And uh, that was sort of the first time the Globetrotters got to see how they were responded to by people outside the U.S. And uh, the response was tremendous. Well, it goes back that far. The 50s is when they, they performed outside of the U.S. Yes. Now they were, they were um, the Globe Trotter in their name was a very clever marketing ploy by Abe Saperstein, who uh, created the, the Harlem Globe Trotters in the first place. And he understood that it, he sort of had this vision that if he if he willed it, it would come to be. So calling them the globe trotters made them sound like they were literally trotting the globe. And right. while they weren't yet when he devised that name, he, yes. he believed that they would be. And so they did. Uh, yeah. And tell me, um, Bronwyn, the, the first year that um, women were part of the team. 
1985, uh, Lynette Woodard, who was a two-time All-American, um, up until I think it's happening today that that Caitlin Clark will surpass um, uh, Lynette for the most amount of points. Um, but oh, wow. uh, yeah, it's a, it's from a- Iowa. Is she an Iowa player? Yes. 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 Um, but Lynette Woodard was this unbelievable two-time All-American basketball champion who uh, wanted to play professional basketball and there weren't really options for her. Um, So she joined the Harlem Globetrotters and uh, she began a legacy of female players within the organization. We have co-ed teams. um, And this very day, we have seven female players, the most in our history. And we couldn't be prouder of that and to continue to grow that over time. Yeah, it's such a combination of skill, you know, athleticism, but also you have to be a performer and and you have to have a sense of humor, right? That there's so much about it is to to generate laughter. Um, when you're talking about Lynette, I wonder if did she have that part of her personality that she thought she'd be a good fit in addition to her athleticism? I think she did, and and you know. Everybody has a plays a different role within the Globetrotter team, and everybody has something that they can bring to the table. Um, so uh, I think Lynette understood that her, um, her charisma, which she absolutely has, uh, was was going to be a great benefit to the team alongside her basketball skills. And and uh, it is not the every you know not every player would make for a great Globetrotter player. Um, our yeah. tryouts are very different than anything you'd see in any other professional athletically. Oh, I'd love to see a tryout. <laughs> yeah. It's so really fun. A combination, uh, a combination of, of incredible athletic prowess alongside the ability to entertain and the desire to really um, interact with your audience, the desire yes. to make somebody smile, to make somebody happy. And right. um, I, I can say I have been... Um, truly awed by uh, the Globetrotter players and the Washington Generals, I should mention, who are uh, incredible people, uh, incredible athletes, incredible entertainers, but really at their core, incredible people who uh, are bringing all those pieces of themselves to every single game that they play or any opportunity that they have to engage with an audience. Yeah. To lift people's spirits, right? That's why you go to forget about what's happening in the world. Um, There's no better, there's no better way to forget what's happening in the world than to be uh, in the presence of a Harlem Globetrotter game or with some Globetrotters at any kind of activation. Um, What is your goal when you think about this new role and um, for 2024, a strategy, what's at the forefront of your mind for here's something I want to um, expand, implement, make people aware of. Sure. Uh, so in 2022, uh, we launched a series together with Hearst Media Production Group on NBC called Play It Forward that actually focuses much more on the Goodwill Ambassador um, sort of persona of, of the Globetrotters. It talks, uh, the, the show is a highlight and celebration of all the things the Globetrotters do off the court, um, going around the country and around the world to different nonprofit organizations, shining a spotlight on the great work that they do in their communities and, um, and spreading their joy with with people all around the world. Um, and it's, it's been a, a, 
a really exciting experience to be a part of that show and to help bring that show to life. Um, we got an Emmy nomination in our very first season, which was incredibly exciting. That's wonderful. And, uh, Congratulations. Thank you. And we are in the middle of season two right now. So uh, 52 episodes airing across NBC and Telemundo and Cozy TV. We average a million viewers every week. So it's incredibly exciting to think that the magic of the Globetrotters can be brought in front of that many people on a weekly basis. And that's really the first stage in um, the this overall content strategy of ensuring that we are creating touch points for every part of our audience, which really is from two to 99 and, uh, or a hundred, we'll take the hundred year olds too, right? There's a lot of those, There's yeah. a lot of those today. <laughs> um, so ensuring that we've got uh, a story about the Globetrotters that can reach all of those little segmentations of that big, broad audience and really reach them wherever they are. So that means about you know, being across every kind of platform that you might find content, whether mm -hmm. that's streaming, linear, whether that's on your phone or that's through social media and all the different genres. So we've got a robust content slate, everything from big, sweeping, epic documentary work that shows the history and impact of the Globetrotters to preschool animation and everything in between. And uh, really laying out that content across a strategy that takes us to our 100th anniversary in 2026 is the big focus um, for me now in 24 and 25 and 26 and then beyond. Yeah, which will be here before we know it. What a fun <laughs> job. What a fun job. Um, I don't want to let you go without you mentioned uh, the fact that you have two daughters and I love that they're being raised and watching you um, be both a mother and also, you know, having impact in the world and with an incredible organization. Um, what do you hope for them? I, I do think um, I have two children as well, and I think it's harder for them today. I just do. Uh, I think they're kind of bombarded with information and um, disruptions in their day. I'll say that it's very hard to stay focused. What do you hope for them? Um, in, in their careers, in their future? Um, well, I have a, so I have a freshman in college and I have a junior in high school. Okay. And I, uh, you know, over the course of, of my professional life, since my kids came along, like every working mother, you know, always struggled a little bit with finding that right balance of if I'm a rock star at work, then I don't know if I'm being a rock star at home and, you know, never feeling like you've kind of like, like you've really found that perfect balance. Um, but I am so deeply grateful for the opportunity to be a role model for my kids, to, to show them that maybe you can't have everything, but maybe you don't want everything either. That sounds like a lot to carry. Maybe you just want the right amount of stuff for you, which is feeling you know, that you can bring value to an organization, that they can value you back and that you're learning and growing along with that. And that it gives you enough space and time to also be at home and, and be you know, a, a, a nurturer of your family. And, and I think I've I certainly know I've worked hard to set that example for them. I hope I've been successful in that. Absolutely. I couldn't be prouder of the two of them as people. And uh, it is a, a privilege to watch them out in the world every single day. I, I just couldn't be prouder of them. Yeah. Did, let me ask you one last question. Sure. Um, this is a question I ask often because I think I know that um, you do yoga 
Um, and that is something that's incredibly good for the relieving stress. And, you know, if, if I were to say, what are you doing in your off time? I know that's one of the things, what, what is it that keeps you up most at night? What is your number one worry today? Um, quite honestly, I think my number one worry is what are we leaving for our children? Um, you know, it's, it's a, these are challenging times and I think we face more challenging times ahead. Um, but between, uh, government, between, uh, wars happening on a global basis, between, um, the, the, the state of our, uh, climate, uh, change and, and the impact on our environment, it just feels like across everywhere you look, um, there's yes. There's violence. There's there's yes, it's a lot. hunger. There, I mean, there's everything, and it right. all feels overwhelmingly negative. And and I think what keeps me up at night is what are we leaving for our children to fix? What are we leaving for them to have to do that we may have sowed the seeds of um, mm-hmm. inadvertently? And and uh, you know, I that keeps me up at night. But what buoys me is. I do believe that this generation of kids, both both Gen Gen um, Z and Gen Alpha, are primed to be able to take things on. I think they I, feel I hope so. <laughs> I <laughs> think you're right. They're better. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what happens, right? There, I mean, things heavy things happen, and then some generation comes along and and fixes that. Yes. There will always be challenges and struggles, you know, and problems. But um, I agree with you. I think you're right. And women and girls are going to be a big, big part of that. Well, we always have been. So why would we stop now, right? There you go. What a, That's a perfect way to end the show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bronwyn. And um, I, I really appreciate your taking time to be on the show. And I wish you continued success with the Globetrotters. We'll be watching. Well, thank you. I, I so appreciate you having me um, here, and I appreciate what you do for uh, women across all sectors of business and industry. Um, you are, yourself are uh, an inspiration, so thank you for well, that. Thank you. We both love stories. It's always about the story. It always is. Yeah. Uh, stay with us for uh, another sponsor break, and I'll be back to close out the show. From Philadelphia to the Lehigh Valley and everywhere in between. For 150 years, Penn Community Bank has been a part of your neighborhood. Helping businesses start, supporting families as they grow, and staying connected to the people and places that make this region special. It's who we are and where we're from. Penn Community Bank. Here we are and here we grow. We are CHOP, and we can't wait to show you around. We're the nation's first children's hospital. Now, a care network with more than 50 locations that continues to expand. Three state-of-the-art research buildings with 1.5 million square feet of space. We have grown from 12 beds 165 years ago to nearly 600 beds and one of the best children's hospitals in the world. We have a level one trauma center, 11 floors of patient units, more than 20 operating rooms, first of its kind delivery unit for babies with birth defects, 
a separate cardiac operative and catheterization suite, and places to learn, like our internationally recognized simulation center. We have trained generations of leaders in the field of pediatrics. We are world leaders in medicine, surgery, and science. One of the top recipients in NIH funding for pediatric research. In this building, pioneers in CAR-T therapy, mitochondrial disease, brain tumors, hyperinsulinism, and other rare diseases. Here, groundbreaking work in fetal surgery, genetics and genomics, and neurology. In our newest building, leaders in social determinants of health, clinical informatics and epidemiology, autism, trauma and injury prevention. Our patients come from every state and 115 countries. Meeting these challenges requires the best and the brightest. We are passionate about pediatrics. We are motivated to make a difference in the world and in our community. We are a team. We are CHOP. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thanks so much for joining me. Stay tuned for my interview next week with Kimberly Lee Miner. And Kimberly is the founder of Bumbershoot. Have a great week, everyone. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Nice buns. Soft, fluffy, and ultra-low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra-low net carb bread. With incredible taste and texture, Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.